HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. I'm Lou Bank. I'm Linda Sullivan from Sena Secreto. And this is Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps Green Gags bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. Amen. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I want to talk to you today, with you, not to you, with you. It's at a conversation. Me. At me. <laughs> at you. I'm going to talk at you. Uh, about the best mezcals for mixing according to Agave Road Trip. Ah, I see. We're going to spin it. We're spinning it. So <laughs> there was this uh, this article written by uh, by my friend Emma Jansen for Punch. And the article was the best mezcals for mixing according to bartenders. And she surveyed bartenders. And, and it was a really good article. Um, and they talked about all of the concerns uh, about, okay, well, you need, obviously, you need uh, to, to find a mezcal that's affordable for mm-hmm. cocktails, right? Facts. That's, I mean, that's one of the top things he that is. you have to think about if you're in charge of a bar program. Oh. That magic number is a dollar an ounce. Oh, look at you, Nancy Drew. Okay, so we'll get back to that. Mm-hmm. But uh, dollar and And then, of course, there's flavor. That's right? very important. Right? But then they also, she also brought up, and, the, and the, because the bartenders brought up, the ethics of what you're using. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and she spent some time uh, talking about, if you can do that uh, in writing, talking about the, the importance of biodiversity mm-hmm. and the importance of not creating a monoculture uh, in the world of mezcal. And then ended with, this is, the, this is the part that got me, Linda. I know. I'm curious to see what got you hot under the collar. Well, not hot under the collar, disappointed. Mm. So Emma uh, like included five mezcals at the end that she suggested f- as alternatives for making cocktails. And four of them were Espadines from Oaxaca. And then one, one was from San Luis Potosí, a Salmiana from Derombas. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, you know how I feel about this, Linda. I know. So when I look at the Comer Cam or CRM, I think they're Comer Cam now, stats, uh, according to the stats, one time out of 10, when somebody orders a mezcal at a bar, 
one time out of 10, they're getting something that's not Oaxacan Espadine. And I suppose if you extrapolate those five, <laughs> those five suggestions, it really, I guess 20% of them, which is better than 10%, right? 20% of them were non-Oaxacan Espadines. But I, all I could think was, and this is not to knock the selections, right? Like, I'm not saying that those are bad, but I am saying, like, I felt it was an opportunity loss, an opportunity to talk about, okay, so what are the actual options for a bartender who wants to make cocktails with mezcals if that bartender wants to reduce the impact on Oaxaca and Espadine? Right. So I felt like she was in a tricky position because she was interviewing the bartenders and asking for their suggestions, but she was the filter, right? That was Mm -hmm. then gathering all that info and putting it forward. And then there was like, to me, it felt like there was a disconnect. And I love punch and that's like a go-to. I'm sure a lot of folks that listen to this podcast agree with that. Punch is like, tends to be a leader in these kinds of conversations. And they were saying, she was saying, oh, Espadín, don't create this monoculture. But then you go down to the suggestions (laughs) and it was like, use all of these agave. And I thought- Oh, well, that's like the opposite of <laughs> really? what we were just saying. Yeah. Yeah. So and it broke, so that broke felt tricky heart. to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was pleased, though, to see the derumbes included. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know this, but particularly one of the things that came to my mind when she mentioned monoculture was we're not talking about some of the varietals like Salmiana, which mm-hmm. is the, the, the varietal that's included from In derumbes. derumbes. Yeah. yeah is they all the agave, right? This is what I think is so, so special. One of many things about this plant and the spirit that we make from it, right? It's, it's, a, it's a plant that only reproduces typically that one way from the quiote. Once we use it, it's gone, right? Not like grapes, not like grains. They come back every year. But the right, salmiana right. is one of those special varietals that also can reproduce from the iuelos. And so that was an opportunity to say, hey, why aren't we using more salmiana in cocktails, in making mezcal? Right. We can take those iuelos, throw them back into the land, and potentially have way more semi-silvestre or semi-wild agave in the future. That is a huge answer to fighting the monoculture. You, you sort of, boy, but you just went sort of sideways from where I wanted to go. And now, oh. but, 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 because, oh, like, good, because like, usually you're yeah, the one pulling yeah, the that's, punches. That's fair, I gave that's you fair. a surprise. Well, well, so my, so my, my issue is like when you're talking Iwelo, you're talking about um, uh, homogenous genetics, right? Well, so it's literally a clone. And, right. and I'm not saying, you know, oh, that means we should never do that. But I am saying, like, uh, maybe, maybe mix it in. So you've got some Iwelos mixed in with some, some Salmiana that you've grown from seed. 100% sure, yes. Well, I don't know. It could even be 50%. It doesn't have yeah. to be 100%. <laughs> agree. Oh, okay, okay. That's good. Okay, yeah, I like that. So, so okay, so I thought we should put together our list of what we, because well, it's literally the title is Best Mezcal <laughs> for Mixing According to Agave Road Trip. So, yeah. you know, I, I know exactly where I want to, well, obviously the Derombas the, the from San Luis Potosi, like that's the, the no-brainer, mm-hmm. but you know where else we have to start? Where? Oh, come on, Linda. What? Where do you get your paycheck? 
<laughs> One of them. Well, not for me. Lucy <laughs> pistolas. That's what you're going to include. Yeah. I mean, Lucy... I cocktail with that almost every day of my life, of course. Right. Well, here's the reason. Another thing that... Do the full disclosure. That we should touch on... What? My my conflict of interest? Well, it's not a conflict of interest if you you just have to say it. You right, get money I from do, it. I do the education for yeah. La Catrina Imports, yeah, yeah, which yeah. brings Lucy pistolas and Villasuso yeah. into the United States of America. Right. Um, that is my full disclosure. But the other point that came up in this article, which is relevant mm-hmm. regarding Lucy Pistolas, is that one either either it was Emma or one of the bartenders she interviewed mentioned that you got to look out for agave or mezcales that are too cheap because <laughs> if they're too cheap, you don't want to use them because maybe somebody is getting screwed over or it is. I can't remember all the things exactly they listed. But what came to my mind is. Or if it's too cheap, the producer could be the owner, right. which is the case with Lucy right. Pistolas. Right. The reason that you can go to Benny's or any of the point. small bottle shops and get Lucy for $35 a bottle is because the family that produces it owns it. Yep. And nobody works for them or does their sales except for me and, <laughs> and on contract work. Like they are so, so tiny and they sit on that shelf next to bottles that are owned by big companies and celebrities and all kinds of people so that people don't know that. Well, and the other thing, too, is I think that the pressure put on Espadine in Oaxaca has pushed the price of Espadine up in the same Mm -hmm. way that Blue Weber prices went up in, in, in a way that I think causes you to misunderstand the financial situation of a producer in a completely different state. Like they're in Guanajuato, right? And, you know, they're so far away from that Espadine pressure of Oaxaca that you can't, you can't compare, you're comparing apples to to napalm. I didn't even know what the next word was going to be. I didn't either until it came out of Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But you're right. And that's, folks don't understand really how the markets work in those other states either. It's a completely different beast, like you're saying, in Oaxaca than it is in Guanajuato, San Luis, Durango, right? I'm always reminding people there are nine states that make mezcal in Mexico we are mostly talking about one of them, Oaxaca, right? Right. right. So there are eight mostly. more. <laughs> right? There's one, an understatement. Nine times out of ten. Yeah. Near, that was your yeah, comment. Yeah, there you go. Fact, there right? you go. Ninety percent yeah. of the time we're talking about Oaxaca. Yeah. So, yeah, I would definitely, I mean, obviously, I, I cocktail with Lucy all the time, and I'm not running a bar program, but I know a number of the bartenders that were quoted in this article, yep. Yep. at least the two Chicago ones, they use Lucy in their bar programs. There you go. So it fits the price point. So there's number one, or I guess number two if you include the rumbas, because mm. I will. Um, but then, you know, there's also Burrito Fiestero. Oh, right? that's a great one from Durango. Right? Yes. So you've got this beautiful Cenizo, beautiful artisanally made Cenizo. It uh, it clocked in, I checked it over at uh, at Benny's, it clocked in at 40 bucks. Oh, that's not bad. I What's the same I as the that price point off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. oh, I did all the, like, I made sure we didn't go over the price you points of prepped. what she had suggested. Yeah. Well, and flavor profile wise, this is cool because if you look at a map, Oaxaca is, way, it's as south as you can get in Mexico, right? It has tons yeah. of coastline. Well, you go you go to Chiapas, but yeah. Well, okay. right, but yeah, it's yeah. like the butt of yeah. Mexico, right? The <laughs> bottom of, in a good way. Yeah. We like butts. It, the bottom of Mexico. And you can't deny it? As, 
<laughs> I cannot deny. <laughs> the bottom is the coast, like the curve of Mexico is the coast of, of Oaxaca. Durango is... As far north as we make agave spirits in Mexico. Well, they make Bacanora and, uh, and Sonora. Yeah, I was going to say, like, there's some people in Sonora and uh, Chihuahua that might want to have a conversation with you. Well, but they're not making mezcal. Well, they're right. It's oh, not certified it's not, mezcal. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. They're yeah, making yeah. agave spirits, right? Yeah, but they're yeah, not yeah. making or, mezcal. Or Bacanora. Yeah. Sure, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there, if you just look at the map, it's so easy to see how different your terroir and yeah. your climate yeah. is. And this flavor comes through in a huge way in Burrito Fiestero. Yeah. It's, that ceniso tastes so... I mean, people love it. If you watch somebody who is learning about mezcal taste something from burrito, their eyebrows go up, their eyes open wide <laughs> like saucers, because it's so different for them than what they're used to yeah. by the traditions and, and the kind of the norms from tasting in, in Oaxaca. You so know, I think that's great to cocktail with. You can surprise people. Yeah, you know, I think the first time I ever had that, I was with you. Oh! I think. When we were doing it at, when we were in Nombre de Dios. <laughs> we got locked down oh, in the middle of COVID. Gracious, that and they trip. showed up with all the bottles. Yes. Oh, that was such a pleasant See, experience. Oh, they're so sweet, too. Yeah. They're, so, they're a good yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. They're really and kind the, people. And the Sotol and the gin. I just, I, <laughs> oh. I dig that brand. Oh, that Sotol I like, too. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. See, well, are we talking about agave spirits or mezcal? Oh, the title is the best mezcal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that Señor Sotol from them? Yeah, yeah, You yeah. could cocktail with that really well as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we'll, we'll do we can't, a different We'll change episode. the title. We'll yeah, we'll do the the best. <laughs> so tall for mixing. Anyway, so then next up, I've got my old friends. I haven't talked about them in a while, but my old friends at La Luna. La Luna Cupriata. Oh, Where was Michoacan. that? Michoacan. Yeah. Michoacan Cupriata. Actually, that's a great question. Why wasn't that on there? I don't because, understand. Because here's the other bartender trick for yeah. hitting that price point. La Luna makes their Cupriata, which is actually an ensemble, right? Uh, There's no, no, a little... No. Yeah, in their black label bottle, there's a little bit of manso sawayo in there. Oh, that must be a Isn't... new thing. I haven't I haven't honestly had them in a I while. I think there is. I have some in the house. We're in the car studio, but the house <laughs> is right over there. <laughs> I'll look. But they make it in a liter bottle. Uh, so which, it's a liter at 40 yes, bucks. which is a dream for bartenders yeah, yeah. because those extra couple ounces bring that price down. If you're running a bar program, yep. that is music to your ears. Yep, yep, yep. Cool. Okay, so that's another one. And then this one I think I'm going to curveball you on. I'll bet you're not expecting this at all. I'm always you. I'll keep me on my toes. Hacienda de Banuelos. Oh, Banuelos. Yes. Oh, you do know it. Oh, yeah. Oh, so they. So, oh, this is Zacatecas, right? Zacatecas, and oh it's gosh. their tequilana. I love this list. So, We're Blue Weber. All the other states. How much do you think that is? Um. Oh, this is Maverick. It's probably 20. I think it's under 30. Is it sub 30? No, it's 35. Not, it's 35. <laughs> well, from the distributor, I think it's sub 30. Oh, right, right, right. So when you're talking the, about wholesale to a thinking. bar, yeah. yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, yeah, when you're talking about 35, that's literally yeah, comparable that's to like, the Lucy Pistolas. Yep, yep, Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Right? It's, wait, which um, varietal is this? Tequilana. It's tequilana, so it, right. It, it, so this is a fun one. Yeah. See, even for your conversation, you've talked about this with other guests or maybe with Chava on the podcast. Um for your conversation, for the gringas bartenders that are talking to people, okay, 
over the bar some of what this does, pulling mezcal and agave spirits into cocktails, is gets people talking yeah. about and maybe sipping neat in the future, yeah. which is, you know, it's not necessary, but it just expands where people are in their knowledge of agave spirits. And working with a mezcal that is using tequilana, yep. that's going to blow people's minds. They say, oh, maybe, you know, I didn't know. That right. I drink tequila or, I, oh, well, this is the varietal that we use all over Mexico to make tequila. Oh, really? I didn't know you could make mezcal <laughs> with it. Cool. New conversation broached, yep, you know? Yep, yep, yep. That's there great. Go. That's a good hacienda, too. They right. also make, I think it's a tepemete. It's more expensive, oh, but. They, yeah, a bunch of expressions, but every Ooh. one of them, I think, is knockout. Mm-hmm. Every every one that I've had, I think I had four expressions at um, at Bowl of Zole in uh, in Brooklyn a couple of years ago, and every single one that they had, I thought yeah, was just delicious. amazing. Yeah. Um, and so the next one, oh, I guess I lied to you because I said they were all mezcales. Oh, <laughs> see yeah, that we can't yeah, throw yeah, the yeah, sotol yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so we can throw the sotol in. So send your sotol, but um, and so I guess I'll put that on the list for the web page. But uh, Love it. Um, I wanted to include something from Sonora, right? So we've got the Bacanora brand Aguamiel, which clocks in at forty bucks. Ooh, I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah, it's it's good. I mean, you know, it's it's a bacanora that's made to be a cocktail bacanora. Mm. It's forty bucks a bottle. So nice. w- again, at retail. So once again, completely affordable for the well compared to these other selections. What's the flavor profile like? Oh, you, you don't ask me about flavor profiles. Okay, you know right, that your palate. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not palate. Um, but what I will say is <laughs> that it's made from what they call Pacifica, right? Because right. to be bacanora, it has to be, which is angustifolia. So in a way, it's it's espadine, mm-hmm. but it's espadine in the north yep no pressure on oaxaca we'll, we'll create pressure in the north with bacanoras soon enough but no pressure on oaxaca right yeah. exactly yeah i love our list okay so then <laughs> the next the final one on my list do you have anything that i haven't brought up uh not yet no i got I mean, i've got one more bring it okay but we're gonna drink it Ooh, yes please okay so it's at your feet oh. yeah with this coffee. So, you know, they, they included uh, Delma Gay Vida. Oh, yeah, they mentioned this. In the, she mentioned this in the article. But, but she didn't recommend it. She no. just recommended the regular Classico. Right. Regular. The Classico of uh, Delma Gay Vida. When they, they released back in, I think, March of this year, yeah, they this released this Puebla edition. Yet. And, yeah, and so, and I have, and I like it quite a bit. So, you know, I was talking with... Um, yeah, there you go, a little pour in there. I was talking with uh, with Ava, Ava, I'm going to butcher your last name, Ava Pelzer. I think it's Pelzer, um, who is their education rep. I don't know. She's like brand manager for them. In Chicago? Uh, no, no, everywhere. Oh, wow. Yeah. Get it, so, Ava. So I got I got a nice, uh, nice quote from her on this about what they're trying to do. So let's run that quote while we're tasting. Okay. So if you're looking at the stills, that is probably the most modern piece because they're new. You know, you go to the Palenques, they've been using these cover stills for a long time. There's kind of a rustic quality to um, give you a huge understatement. But then you go to Ashokoban, or at least, again, I've only seen photos. But um, this, the row of stills truly is like, oh, this is this is that state of the art. This is the next level. And then the bottling facility, which is on site, of course, again, looks much more modern, much more um, formally regulated. And so that's where we get into kind of the faster pace of production and meeting a certain volume need. 
we are sort of spotlighting a region where a volume mezcal can be made, can be exported from, and leading the charge in that way. Um, obviously, Delmagay and Pernod Ricard are very aware that as the category leader, everything we do has a huge spotlight on it. Like there is responsibility involved. And you know that's going to be very close to the hearts of the founders, to Steve Olson especially. Um, and so the idea of making a mezcal in higher volume more intentionally at 40%, you know, there has to be another why besides we have to meet global demand. And so we're not using the term sustainable production yet because there's so much greenwashing in many industries, including ours. And, you know, that facility is not there where we can say this is a hundred percent green operation, but that's the goal and responsible scaling and responsible production has to be the way forward. There's just simply no other way. That's awesome how transparent that is. It's it's transparent and it's it's acknowledging the fact that as Mezcal is growing, as sales are growing, and it's going to keep growing, like, like last time we checked in, 2% of tequila, right? But it was 1.5% before that. As it can, so, you know, huge growth year on year, as it continues to grow, it's going to get more difficult to maintain this beautiful handmade process that we love and even more difficult in places like Oaxaca if we keep just sourcing Espadine from that one state. Yeah. So the fact that the Espadine in this case comes from Puebla, that it's processed in Puebla, that it's in a facility that it's, they're not they're not trying to pretend that this is some family that, you know, has been doing it forever. This is literally meant to fulfill a demand in a way that doesn't doesn't create more abuse of Oaxaca. And I love that. Right. I, and, and they're being so honest, I mean, about the greenwashing, which is I would so much rather them say, Here's what we're going for. We're being realistic and we're telling the truth, but we want our arrow to point in this direction. Right. Right. I so. completely appreciate that. And this is nice. I get a lot of like um, corn husky flavors. Are you tasting that? Yeah. Well, I'm tasting something like sweet and fruity. Uh -huh. I wouldn't have called it corn husk until you did, but you know how my palate goes. I know, but or like a sweet go. corn, like harvesty flavor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. No, I like this quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Me so too. yeah, and you know, and so the price point of this one I think is even lower than Vita Classico. I think, um, yeah, I'm showing it at thirty three bucks at uh, Binnie's. Oh wow! Yeah, that's great. Yeah, but you know, so so do do you have any other bottles you want to talk about? And if not, I've got a I'm gonna take us down Go a ahead. different you path. You can veer us. Okay, so at the beginning, you had talked about dollar an ounce, dollar an ounce, right? Mm -hmm. And that was also, you know, echoed in the article. And, and when I have conversations with bartenders, I hear that a lot. But... You know, I, I, I've got this quote that I've been wanting to use uh, uh, for far too long from uh, a friend of ours who passed away. And, uh, you know, and I'm not like it's, it's his name is Michael and the people who know him know. And I don't want to trade on his name, but I do want to use the quote uh, both because I want his voice on my podcast mm. and because I think it's really relevant to the conversation. So take it away, Michael. The industry is looking usually for less than 20, and there are plenty of bar owners who are no way, I want everyone to see liquor costs above 18, and some will put that number at 15. Um, it depends on the kind of establishment and what they're about. 
And you can do price lining, if you will. So my liquor cost of goods needs to be, let's say, a 20. Let's say on that guy. Um, and a lot of quality places want to go for 20. Um, a, a naive place is going to price everything in the joint the same way. So they can get that fermenting in 20%. You can, I can walk in and look at a spirit list and go, you morons, what are you doing? Because that means if you have like, you know, uh, a Lalo Quiche, you're going to charge like $25 an ounce for it. Because I sat and did the math on my calculator. Well, it doesn't work that way, right? You're going to sell 300,000 vodka sodas this month, you know, and uh, hopefully 200,000 tequila sodas this month, whatever. And you're going to sell seven Lalos. Right. So you don't need to make that beautiful markup. You can live at 35, 40, 45 percent. Mm-hmm. Um, or to me, a smart bar owner does. When you price everything the exact same way, so you're you're not gonna you're not gonna sell high end mezcal if you price all of your everything to be 20 percent. There was this Italian place I loved in New York that had these amazing grappa list. And I used to go there and I used to just, I would fume because I'd look at the menu and go, seriously? They were just insanely expensive. And everything was priced for the, the fucking margin that they wanted. Yeah. But these were $80 bottles of grappa. So it was a $35 pour. I'm just not going to do it. So the bottle sits on your shelf for five years. Like you tell me if it's smart. To like, <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, you're getting great margins on something that doesn't actually sell. So right. your fictional margins are exceptional. Or you can build a loyal client base, teach them about Grappa, which nobody fermenting wants anyway. Um, and you can start to move stuff. So my philosophy is you're more expensive. You have to look at like how many, how many Lalos are you going to sell a month? 12? If you get 35% margin on that bottle, it is not going to touch your bottom line. Because right, right, you're going right. to sell uh, 10,000 fucking Victorias and 10,000 Pacificos. If you don't have those priced right, you're done. That was a good tribute. <laughs> He's so right. And, and that's why he was a smart barman. Because if you appreciate it and you want to move it, you want to educate people, you want to talk about it, it's just like when a grocery store has a sale and puts their ad out with their five or six loss leaders on the front page, right? right? They get you in the door and you buy your whatever produce was there and your one, you know, beef that was on sale. And then you also buy the cereal and the this and that, that was right. That's their goal. Sort of. I think it's almost the opposite. And and so, so bear with me, right? Usually the loss leader is, okay, I'm going to actually price milk less than I pay for it. Mm -hmm. And by doing milk, eggs um, and like these general staples to get somebody into the store and then they're walking down the aisle and they see the cereal they need to get and they buy that at the huge margin and they right so it's almost the opposite where people are coming in for their vodka sodas right it's almost like you want to cultivate a uh, a, a consumer base of drinkers a, a guest list of drinkers who want things that are beautiful and unique and expensive. And if you try to do that without stepping people up from something that's an inexpensive cocktail to suddenly, here's a a $35 neat pour, no one's going there. Mm. But 
if you step somebody up from that that mezcal cocktail where they're paying how much is a cocktail now like 20 bucks mm-hmm. okay so a, a mezcal cocktail for 20 bucks and i've been having this mezcal cocktail having this mezcal cocktail i'm like hey i kind of want to try it neat oh that's interesting do you have something else like that it's like like you can step them up but if you go from from a uh, a 20 dollar neat pour or a 15 dollar neat pour to a 50 dollar neat pour 30 like that's just too big a step yeah yeah, you're right. And the other way to accept it is to know that you're going to sell 2,000 vodka sodas. Mm-hmm. Let that pay for your expensive bottles. Like, let that almost like their little sale buddies. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'd also say, I, you know, what I don't see a lot of. Like you, you, you'll hear people ordering their margarita with Patron, right? They'll step up with the Patron, and uh, and I don't see people promoting that with mezcal, and I th- and I get why, right? Like I like there's this nervousness about taking, and Lalo would tell you not to do it, but taking Lalo's cliche as Michael points to, right, and using that in a cocktail. To enhance the cocktail. Now, it's it's not the same because there's going to be a different flavor po- profile in Lalo's Quiche versus any one of these mezcales that we just suggested as well mezcals, right? So it's not like you you can just do a one-for-one swap out. But I think that if, if, if you want to cultivate that market of people buying better agave spirits, I think there's something to be said for offering one maybe two specialty cocktails that cost $40 and have something special. You know, we're living in a world where people will pay how much for bottle service? Oh, gosh. At thousands of dollars. That's Literally thousands? Yes. Literally? Yes. Okay, so if they're willing to pay that for bottle service, I got to believe that somebody somewhere is willing to buy a $50 cocktail. Oh, without question. I mean, people, when I used to work at Topolobampo, people would buy regularly Don Julio 1942 margaritas. Okay, perfect. And that it was almost a $50 cocktail. But but did you ever see that at Topolo of, with mezcal cocktails? From time to time and or if I suggested it. Right. I would I would offer chichicapa, the mage chichicapa cocktails. I, I want to see that on a menu, a specialty menu, where it's literally written down so that somebody knows that is an option for me. I want mm. to impress my date. I want to feel like the king of the world. I want to try something different. I've been playing around with this Oaxacan old fashioned. I kind of like to taste an expensive um, uh, Durango old fashioned with the Ultramundo Lampar Rio, like, right? Like, I, I want to see that in order to ensure that we don't continue putting all the pressure on this inexpensive, quote unquote, yeah. monoculture, Espanine, Oaxacan right. bottle. Okay, I like that idea. I don't, I can't think of any bar examples in Chicago at the moment. However, I will say you've probably come across Ivy Mix's book, yeah, 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 Spirits yeah, yeah. of yeah. Latin America. Yeah. She has a number of great examples, and I'm sure, well, we could look it up. We could Google it because she runs Leyenda mm-hmm. in New York. 
I wouldn't be surprised if she has a cocktail like that on her menu because in her book, she does a number of like little split base tricks where she will like float a quarter ounce or she'll split base with a half ounce of something really expensive and maybe an ounce of something that's more cocktail affordable. And of course, these are recipes that some of them are make at home, but some of them are inspired by cocktails or maybe they even are cocktails that at some point were on her menus. So she's a person that is thinking that way and she's using those more expensive bottles in the cocktail because particularly that flavor profile is landing that cocktail right where she wants it. Oh, stick the landing. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like a flavor maven. So she's doing it on purpose to put that cocktail exactly where she wants it. I love that. Okay, I'll have to check out that book. I'm actually going to be in Brooklyn uh, next month. So maybe I'll. Let's just drive the car studio right now. (laughs) There. Let's keep recording. That's an agave road trip. There you go. Okay, well, I think I think that uh, that wraps it for this. I think that's a lovely conclusion that we should all just go read Ivy's book. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Linda. Hasta pronto. See you next time. You've been listening to Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps Gring X bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. We're blessed with sound engineering by Roy Sierra and a theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Marco Ricos. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, well, I'm sure you'll let us know that too. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Agave Road Trip. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pit Bulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization using the power of education educational storytelling about food to build a more equitable, resilient food system. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you hear on Heritage Radio Network might lead you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If you drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Drive responsibly. Eat responsibly, too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly to listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive. Do not walk either. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to stretch every 30 minutes. If you stretch every 30 minutes, please stay within your defined stretching capacity. And consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you don't have a doctor, maybe Dr. Ryan Acock, the cocktail MD, can help you out. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip. Out.